Hello and welcome to the Jesse and Melva podcast. Let's talk about love and marriage. We are so glad you're here. Do you know how so many couples get so caught in the routine of their daily lives that their relationship loses its spark? Well, we help you get that spark back in the way that sticks. This is the place where you will discover the secrets of happy couples that you can apply to your own relationships. And now, here's Jesse and Melba. Hello again, this is Jesse Johnson. And I am Melba Thomas Johnson. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate your taking this time to join us. And because you're taking this time, we want it to be worth it. So, we want you to know that our intent is to provide you with some information and ideas that can be of help to you in all your important relationships, especially in your marriage or coupleship. We are continuing our series on the ten most common relationship problems. The common problem that we're discussing today is called irreconcilable differences. So with that bit of an introduction, let's begin. First, we'd like to emphasize that we're all different. Thank God. The differences are more than just being male and female. In relationships, we're different in a number of ways. For example... One person tends to be more extroverted, and their partner may be more introverted. One likes to go out and explore and do things, while the other is more content to stay at home and take their time in getting things done. We tend to be attracted to our opposite because we're seeking balance. We also tend to admire these qualities we see in the other person that we lack. In the romantic stage of the relationship, We think highly of these traits, but when we commit and start living together, we usually fight over these differences. The bottom line is this, that because each person is different, there will always be differences in our relationships. The question is, how do we deal with them? They can be used in a positive and constructive manner or in a destructive and frustrating manner. You know, for those of us who were around before no-fault divorces, in order to get a divorce, a married couple had to give the judge a reason why they were seeking a divorce. Uh, You just couldn't say, well, we don't want to be married anymore. You had to give a reason. And quite often the reason given was that the couple had irreconcilable differences. I'm having problems saying that word. The divorce laws have changed so that couples no longer have to give a reason for wanting a divorce. And, Jesse, while that's true, the belief that couples have irreconcilable differences, okay, we need to practice that word, uh, that makes it impossible for them to be together and get along is still a common belief among many in a committed relationship whether they're married or living together. It might be helpful for us to define the terms irreconcilable differences. We're not going to attempt to define it in legal terms. We'll leave that up to the attorneys. We'll define it in the terms of what happens in the relationship between couples, which is our area of expertise. When most couples say that they have irreconcilable differences, 
what they mean is that they uh, that they have differences between them that they've tried to resolve but haven't been able to do so. Yes, Melba, I would agree with that. And the key to what you just said was that they have a difference that they haven't been able to resolve. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not resolvable, only that the couple hasn't found an answer yet. And in some cases, one or both partners may become so frustrated over time by trying and failing that they may not longer, no longer even want to try to find a solution. And that's really unfortunate because most of the time there is an answer. The problem is that the couple hasn't found it yet. And if they can't find the answer on their own, they need the help of a third party, people like us, who are professionally trained in marriage and relationship counseling to help them find the answer. Most of the time, there is an answer. So most differences are not irreconcilable. They are reconcilable and solvable. We've seen this over and over again in our practice. When couples learn the communication skills we teach, they find themselves able to first understand each other at a deeper level, then able to resolve their differences rather quickly, a lot quicker than either of them imagined. And, Melva, I'm reminded of a couple we know who were deadlocked about going on a vacation. You probably remember them. You might say that they had irreconcilable difference. The dream vacation that one of them wanted was to go somewhere that had a beach. They imagined uh, laying on the beach, relaxing, enjoying the sounds of the ocean, feeling the warmth of the sun on their body, and just kind of chilling out. That's what the wife wanted. And... She was determined that this was the way she wanted to spend her vacation. And her husband had a completely different idea of what he wanted on vacation. You see, he was an avid skier. His dream vacation was to go on a skiing trip. He imagined being on a mountain covered with fresh white snow. He could feel the cool breeze in the air hear the sound of snow crackling beneath his feet as he enjoyed the thrill of going down the slopes and the challenges of tackling the mountain. You could hear the excitement in his voice as he described his dream vacation. So, as you can see, both wanted something completely opposite. They had what on the surface seemed like an irreconcilable difference. And while it might have looked that way, it really wasn't. There was a solution. They just hadn't found it yet. Why? It was because each of them was determined to get what they wanted and was unwilling to give in to the other. And this is what happens often in relationships. Neither party is willing to give in to the other. In other words, the underlying, the underlying position of both is that I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm not going to give in no matter what. The good news is that we help them find a solution to their irreconcilable differences. How? We sent them to a travel agent friend of ours, and after hearing what each wanted, she suggested a vacation to an island. We don't remember which one, where both of them could have the dream vacation they wanted. The center of the island was mountainous, 
and the elevation was high enough that there was year-round skiing at the top. The bottom of the mountain was surrounded by beautiful beaches, tropical flowers, and a relaxing, serene, and peaceful environment. She could have her dream vacation, too. The travel agent was able to get them a deal on the cost, and the couple was thrilled. The travel agent was a genius. <laughs> That's true. They decided that each morning he would go skiing and she would go to the beach. They would then join up and have lunch and spend the rest of the day and evening together. So, as you can see, there was a solution. The couple couldn't find it on their own. They needed help. And to their credit, they solicited the <coughs> services of a third party to find a solution. Unfortunately, a lot of couples just don't do that. They don't seek help and remain deadlocked in an ongoing battle because they don't know how to resolve their differences. I recall some time ago that I was told that in the wilderness, sometimes hunters have come upon a male uh, upon male deer who apparently have been have been fighting and whose antlers have become so entwined and entangled during the battle that they were un unable to get them apart. And because they had become so deadlocked in the battle that they couldn't free themselves, both of them ended up dying of starvation. This is an illustration of what happens far too often in relationships. Both partners become deadlocked in their ongoing battles. And if they don't allow someone to help them, both of them can die. Not necessarily literally, even though that could happen in various ways, but they can die emotionally to each other. And we're saying that that does not have to happen. No, it doesn't. Irreconcilable differences are nothing more than disagreements that the couple hasn't solved. Unfortunately, far too many couples find it almost impossible to have a conversation for more than a minute or so before they're into a disagreement, some kind of conflict. And they don't understand why, because it seems to keep happening again and again over the most insignificant topics, or it seems insignificant. It would be different if the subject was important, but usually it's not. There are topics or concerns or issues that are important, and they fight over them too. So they fight over just about everything, the important and the unimportant. It might feel like they have irreconcilable differences when in reality what's really going on is a breakdown in their ability to communicate effectively. Well, but maybe we'd better explain that a little more. Uh, to understand that, it might be helpful to be aware that in all conversations, <laughs> there are two levels of communication taking place at the same time. The first level is on the subject or the topic that's being discussed. In other words, what, are you t what it is that you're talking about. The second level involves what is going on between the two of you while you're talking. The breakdown in communication usually doesn't take place on the first level, you know, on the topic or subject of the conversation. It really breaks down on the second level, the way you talk to each other about whatever it is you're discussing. And quite often, Jesse, what underlines the breakdown is control and competition over who is right or wrong or who gets to, 
to define the situation. Why don't we give an example of how this works? Okay. So let's say that I'm a spouse who has been laid off, who's been receiving unemployment benefits. So you're my wife, literally, and in this illustration, too. And when I get home, I say something uh, casually like, uh, uh, Melvin, you can't imagine how many people were in the unemployment line today. It was just awful. And I'd say something casually in response like, it couldn't have been any worse than my day at work today. They kept me on the job but had me doing the work for three or four people. It's awful. Then... I might come back and a bit more pointed in my response and say something like this. Listen, you just don't have any idea of what it's like being in that long line until you've had to do it. And I might respond a bit more pointed by saying something like, well, you wouldn't complain about having to stand in that line if you were being forced to do the work for three or four people every day then I would probably escalate by becoming even more heated and say something like, oh, yeah, let me tell you what I, that I'd rather be uh, working no matter how many people's jobs I was doing than standing in that unemployment line. Then I'd say even more heatedly, so you think you have it so bad? Let me tell you that I'd rather stand in that line and then come home and sit on my back for the rest of the day than have to do the work of three or four people and be taken advantage of. And now, that's how the conversation goes. And goes on and on until they end up with one of the partners backing down and then resenting not having been heard. However the conversation ends, neither of them feels very good about it. What both of them probably want is support, understanding, empathy, and maybe appreciation. But what they do is compete with each other, each trying to convince the other that my situation is worse than yours. And as long as they continue in this pattern of competing for what they're wanting and needing from each other by playing the psychological game is, my problem is worse than your problem, or my idea is better than your idea, they'll remain stuck and engage in what we call our get-nowhere conversations. What they must learn how to do is to go from competition to cooperation. And this involves learning new, a new way to communicate and to work together to better meet each other's needs and respect each other's points of view. If you're going to have a successful relationship, this is a communication skill that must be learned, and you'll need someone like us who are trained professional marriage and relationship counselors and educators to teach you how to do it. If not, like the bullheaded deers who were deadlocked in battle, you can continue to beat your heads up against the wall and you become so frustrated and angry, angry that the relationship will die. Either of you, neither of you rather, will, uh, can win when it's a, a I win, you lose situation. So it might be helpful for each of you to get in touch with your reactive competing behaviors that get in the way of you having meaningful and productive conversations. So we're going to present a list of behaviors and suggest that you make a note of any that apply to you. So um, when I'm not getting 
agreement or affirmation of what I want in our conversations, this is the first possible reaction. I argue with you as aggressively or for as long as it takes to get you to agree with me. That's the first one. Okay. So the question is, is that one that you do? Then the second one is, I get louder and more angry to get you to back down and agree with me. So do you get louder and more angry to get your partner to back down and agree? Well, maybe I just withdraw or sulk or feel misunderstood until you come around. Is that a possibility? And remember, you're looking at what you do. Um, you're not taking your partner's inventory right now. You're taking yours. Right. Thank you for pointing that out. Mm -hmm. Or number four, uh, I attack your point of view as wrong or stupid or incompetent or misinformed or whatever, hoping that in doing so I can get you to back down and give in to my ideas. So do you attack your partner for having wrong ideas or that they're stupid or don't know what they're talking about or or they're misinformed, incompetent, or whatever, Do you, is that what you do? And there's more possibilities. Maybe I just give in to you, or at least on the surface, to keep the peace, but hold on to my point of view inside. So think about that one. Are you the person who gives in um, or appears to give in, but you hold on? and then maybe simmer underneath as you're giving in. That's the fifth possibility. And there are three more. Uh, or do you back down um, and, be, and, and be pissed and resented on the inside, but you don't say anything because you don't want to prolong the hassle? So do you back down and then you're pissed about having to do that or feeling you have to do it anyway, and then you're resentful on the inside, uh, but you don't say anything because you don't want to escalate the, the conflict? And then the seventh possibility is trying to avoid talking to your partner as much as possible in order to avoid any hassles. Some people avoid conflict like the plague, so they won't talk or they just say what needs to be said to get through the day. Does that one fit what you do? And another one is that I just tell you what I think, and then I withdraw from the conversation. I don't hang around, wait. I don't really care what you have to say. I tell you what I think, and that's it. So I'm out of there. So is that something that you do? You see, it's possible that there may be other things that you might do that get in the way of you having productive conversations. So the list that we gave you are ideas for you to consider. Add anything that we may have missed. Now, in order to begin the process of changing from irreconcilable differences to really communicating effectively, it is essential that both of you become aware of the behaviors that you do to prevent having uh, they get in the way of you having uh, being able to achieve that. So that's why it's so important that this is a self-inventory as opposed to you looking at yourself rather than looking at your partner. You've got to see what you do, which is contributing to the breakdown. You must learn how to 
create cooperative conversations. And the process to start doing that begins first with an awareness of how each of you sabotage your conversations. Secondly, we suggest that you do the opposite of what you normally do because there's the saying that if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always got. So if you will just simply change and do the opposite of what you normally do, that will be helpful. And third, since you've been stuck in old patterns of behaviors, you're likely uh, to uh, continue to keep doing the, the, the same thing, and as a consequence, you may need help as, through a coaching, such as what we provide, uh, to help you through the process until you can do it on your own. So let's review some of the major points we've presented so far. First, we started off saying that irreconcilable differences was used as a reason for divorce before the law was changed to no-fault divorce. And while this reason is no longer used, many couples act and believe that they have irreconcilable differences when in reality all it really means is that they haven't yet found a way to end their conflicts and make mutually satisfying agreements. And we also pointed out that even though the couple may not have been able on their own to resolve their problems and make the necessary agreements that they must make, it doesn't mean that there's not a solution. It just means that they haven't found it yet. And that if you try and continue to fail, the best thing to do is seek the assistance of a third party, preferably trained professional marriage and relationship counselors like us, who can teach you the skills you need in order to be able to communicate better. And third, we told you about a story of a couple who wanted to take a vacation, who were in conflict about what each wanted to do. One wanted to go to the beach, and the other wanted to go skiing. They were at an impasse, and on the surface, it looked like they had irreconcilable differences. We sent them to a travel agent who helped them find an island where they could both do what they wanted. And we, we pointed out that differences are nothing more than an inability to communicate effectively. And we said that there are two levels of, commun of communication going on at the same time. The first level is the subject or topic of what you're talking about, and the second is what's going on between the two of you while you're talking. And we said that it's not the subject that's the problem. It's the second part, how you attempt to talk to each other is where most people have their biggest problem. And fifth, we gave an example of a couple arguing and competing over which one's situation was worse than the other. The man complained about having to stand all day in the unemployment line and the wife about having to do the work of three or four people. What each of them wanted was understanding, empathy, and support, but they didn't know how to ask for it, so they competed by fighting over whose situation was the worst. And we shared a story about <clears throat> how sometimes hunters have come upon male deer who have, been, uh, who have locked antlers while fighting, and because they couldn't get them separated, both of the uh, animals died. And this is what often happens in relationships when partners fight, lock horns, and refuse to consider each other's positions. In time, the relationship dies emotionally and sometimes permanently, and that's really unfortunate. Yeah, and, and then the seventh point we made was that couples need 
to learn cooperative communications. It's a skill that must be taught, and we recommend that couples seek the help of professionals like us to teach them how to communicate and work together better so that both persons get their needs met within their relationship. So let's pause for a minute and take a few questions from our listeners. We've got a couple of email questions. Okay, so why don't I start with the first question. This um, question comes from a wife. She says, um, no, it's from a, a, a husband. A husband wrote this. Okay, I got it wrong. Now I got it right. Okay. My wife and I disagree over how to raise our children. Both of us have kids from previous relationships. She doesn't want me to discipline her kids like I do my own. Her kids are out of control. They don't have anything to do around the house. In other words, they don't have any chores. My kids do uh, have things to do because I demand it, and they get resentful because their mom's uh, kids don't have any don't have to do anything. So I don't know what to do. What would you suggest? So it sounds like to me, Melvin, that this is a blended family. Yep. And that uh, each partner brought children into the relationship, and the complaint is is that um, uh, the wife does, doesn't seem to uh, put the same kind of demands on her children that the husband does, and the wife doesn't want the uh, husband to discipline her kids, and so... Uh, he insists that his kids do things around the house, like doing chores, I guess, and keep up, I'm imagining keeping up the rooms and stuff like that. But she doesn't make those same kind of demands, so uh, she wants to know what to do and how we would suggest. So I'll start off with just um, uh, an idea, and you can you can jump in if, uh, anytime you want to. Uh, first of all, I think that uh, the problem is not with the kids. The problem is with the parents and that the, the parents, that both the husband and wife, need to really sit down together, and they need to make certain kinds of agreements in terms of what they think is important uh, regarding uh, the values and the uh, behaviors and uh, that sort of thing that are important uh, and, and that they want to instill within their children. And uh, I'm also thinking about uh, when we came together as a blended family that uh, we sat down together as a family with family meetings, and we uh, talked about uh, what kind of a home that we wanted to create for all of us. We had a role in that. We discussed it, and uh, we came up with certain agreements and a way that we were going to do chores and maintain the household and all that sort of thing. And then we met on a weekly basis to monitor that to see uh, how things were going. We adjusted and made changes when we needed to to make sure things were working the way all of us wanted to. So uh, those are my thoughts. You got any? Yeah, uh, and um, I would only add uh, that the whole thing about the family that lives under the roof um, to define their vision for what the ideal experience would be with each other, you know, how they want to support each other, how they, what was family like for them, and then what each person could contribute to that, and that takes it out of blame and that kind of thing. And that's supported by what you said about having the family support meetings. Mm -hmm. So, um, because I believe that when kids, um, even the ones who are out of control, when they feel like they have a role of value in the family, it changes their mindset. So that's something for um, him to consider. Right. 
Right. Now, we don't have time for the second question. Yeah, I, I was just looking at that. We have another question, and this is uh, uh, from a wife who's got a problem with her in-law. Uh, so since we don't have time to deal with it, uh, to really talk about it today, uh, why don't we um, uh, hold that, and we will uh, include that in a forthcoming show. Well, we have certainly uh, enjoyed having you with us today, and we hope that what we had to share was uh, meaningful and helpful and supportive to you. Thanks again for listening. This has been Jesse Johnson. Melva Thomas Johnson. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Jesse and Melva podcast, Let's Talk About Love and Marriage, where we help you get that spark back in your relationship. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and listen to all of our shows. We post new shows every week, and we want to help each of your relationships. You can receive even more great information from successful couples by visiting our Facebook group, Tips for Success in Love, Marriage, and Life. It's easy. Just search for Tips for Success in Love, Marriage, and Life at Facebook.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. See you next time.